Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Kicking Cancer Podcast. My name is Brooke Brown. I'm Marcus. And we are so excited that you've joined us. You know, we want to walk with you through the season in our life where we walked through cancer. And, you know, that season really shaped us. It shaped our walk with the Lord. It shaped our family. And we want to just encourage you and equip you as you walk through different seasons in your life. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Thanks. We're going to have fun together. We Let's are. Go. Hey, everybody. Marcus here. I'm with my friend, Pastor Paul Trokel. Uh, he's a missionary doing leadership clinics all over the world. Yep. And uh, Pastor Paul, you've meant so much to our family. Brooke was telling me this morning when we were just talking about you being here, it's been it's been uh, such a refreshing blast from the past. You know, she said that part, yeah, that part of our life is so rich and you're a part of it. And a lot of those people are gone from our life right now. They're in heaven. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's just brought back so many good memories. Oh, it's, it's, it's been so fun for me. And, you know, uh, like someone I heard, you know, if we don't have church and we don't have fun in ministry, we're never going to have fun because we're always doing something. (laughs) You got to figure out how to, have fun in what you're doing. And Absolutely. Anybody that can whistle while they work is is a happy person. Yeah. It's like a Warren Buffett said, he tap dances to work every day. Yeah, That's yeah. How I feel about the ministry. Yeah, me I just, too. I've loved it. Yeah, especially when you minister out of the overflow. Yeah. Yeah, that's when it's fun. How long have you been ministry now? 41 years. How long have you been learning around, uh, around the subject of leadership? It's been 40. I've been teaching leadership for 34 34, uh, studying it, uh, it was, uh, about that, studying it extensively, about 36, teaching it 34. We were talking about this earlier, and you said, there's these moments that I say, that changed my life forever. Yeah. And it's when you would get, like, a leadership revelation, you know, some people call it a nugget or whatever, but you go, all right, I'm putting that into practice. That's what I just want to talk about, some of those moments that, like, okay, I learned that. And that changed my life forever. Yeah, I can think back. You know, now I've been in 26 nations, and I'll be in more next year. And uh, I was in, uh, oddly enough, my background is uh, my name, Troquille, or Troquille, if you want to say it mm-hmm. the way it's spelled, uh, is French. You know, so my, my, my people are Cajun French people from Louisiana. Uh, but... Out of all the nations I traveled to, France was one of my least favorite. <laughs> you don't like your own people? No, I don't like my own people, you know. Uh, there's a lot of history. I'm a history guy. I study history. So, you know, historically, France has not really responded well to to us helping them not be not speak German. <laughs> they, they can't seem to cough up a mercy Uh They just... They call us arrogant, which is like the pot calling the kettle black. (laughs) So I was there at the Champs-Élysées. If you know anything about France, it's a famous place in France. And I was up on a hill looking at thousands and thousands of people. And France is spiritually a very dark place. At that time when I was there, you'd walk down the street and there'd be porn racks, magazine, porn magazine racks out on. Just out there in the open. Out there in the open. And they would literally have the sex act on the front cover. 
Oh, my gosh. So you're walking through France, and by the time you get back to your room, you feel like you need to take a wire brush and scrub your soul. just makes you feel dirty. It just makes you feel dirty. And the, the people were rude. They were cold. They were arrogant. So I'm looking at the people, and I'm thinking, they're, this, they're so dark, and they're so lost, and they're so this, and they're so that, and I don't like this place. And <laughs> the voice of the Lord. The you got Spirit. one of those moments. Yeah, he said, isn't that interesting? I live in you but you don't see people the way I see people, <laughs> which kind of hurt my feelings. Yeah, I said, okay, you know, the Lord has <clears throat> never uh, been upset with me about this. I would say, prove to me it's you speaking to me because there's many voices in the world. I said, all right, I'll go along with this. Show me scripture. How do you see people? And he quoted this scripture in Matthew, the ninth chapter, and it says, no, and so then, let me get to it, uh, let me finish what he said. He asked me a question. So uh, typically, you study Jesus. A lot of times, Jesus, when they asked him a question, he would answer with a question. Yeah. So that's what happened to me. I said, well, how do you see people? And the Lord said back to me, what do you think the number one problem in the world is? I said, that's easy, sin. He goes, no. I've dealt with sin. I said, and he quoted the scripture, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Did he do it or not do it? Well, Lord, yeah, he did it. Okay, the number one problem in the world is, is Satan. Then it's Satan. <laughs> he said, no, it's not the number one problem. I put Satan under your feet. Yeah. He's defeated foe. Yep. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. I've given you authority. Made a show of him Made openly. Made a show yeah. of him openly. Yeah. Okay, now I'm rethinking. Okay, sin's not the... When you look at the masses of the world, you look at the, the masses of people, you don't think sin's their problem? No. You don't think Satan's their problem? No. I said, well, then how do you see them? And he said to me, Matthew 9, verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion. <laughs> See, I was moved with disgust. <laughs> the French people moved me to disgust. Whew. Jesus was moved with compassion. What was the issue? Because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no, no shepherd. shepherd. Yeah. So God spoke to me and said, the number one problem in the world is leadership. Most people, this is what God believes, <clears throat> most people, if they had a good leader in their life, most people would follow. Yeah. He said, now these aren't, you know, when he says, like sheep having no shepherd, therefore uh, the harvest tru truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He's not just talking, he's not talking about church workers. These aren't just church workers. We need more church workers. He's talking about labor leaders. So you saw this. We got a leadership problem. We got That's a, the problem. We've got a at. leadership dearth. We have yeah. a leadership famine. Yeah. We've got a lot of harvest and no leaders to lead people to get the harvest. Yep. But the main issue in people's lives, the main issue wholesale with the masses of people is they don't have a good leader in their life. 
Yep. And I think we're like confusing it right now in America because people will think uh, they're a leader because they're famous. Well, I know a lot of famous people can't lead a hot dog stand, you know. Absolutely. Or, uh, and now, in the last couple of years, people think they're leaders because they're critics. They can just point out everything wrong with everything, and we just see this, man, right. tidal wave of criticism on everything. Right. But leaders is being able to influence people. That's it. Well, you know, that was another uh visitation of scripture you want me to yeah let's do it it. it's in matthew matthew 20 uh you know you're not the bible says in amos how can two walk together except they agree so if god is using a word and you're using a word and your definition of that word is not the definition he has in his mind you can talk (laughs) you can talk forever and never be on the same page oh my goodness Yes. Because when he says the word leader or whatever he says to you, you're attaching your definition to it. So here we have this scenario in Matthew 20 where they James and John send mommy to try <coughs> to get a position beside Jesus, thinking mm-hmm. that position is leadership. Right? Right. I want to put one on my right and one on my left. You've got the position, therefore you are a leader. Jesus said, no, it's not even mine to give, and you don't know what you're talking about. He gave up his position. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're talking about positional leadership. Yeah. Okay, and so they're getting an argument about who's great. Mm. Now, this is what happened in verse 25. This changed my life forever. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know, that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Mm. And those who are great, uses the word great, mm. exercise authority, he uses the word authority, over them. Now, these are buzzwords in the leadership world. Yeah. Yet it shall not be so among you. Okay, in one statement, Jesus changed leadership in the kingdom forever. Mm. In one statement. Yeah. And he goes on to explain what I mean. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Now, here's something fascinating to me, Pastor Marcus. He did not rebuke James and John for wanting to be great. He didn't throw a fit and say, how dare you want to be great? How dare you want to be first? How dare you bring that up? He didn't do that. He was just saying, you don't think of leadership the way I do. He was saying, you don't have the same definition I have. That is so good. This is my idea of greatness, and this is my idea of the path of real leadership. Servant leadership. This is my idea of the path of of real authority, real greatness. You're using these words, great, authority, power, leadership, being first. He goes, okay, I'm cool with that, but I'm not cool with you having your definition of that. Let me give you the true definition of great. It's servant, servant leadership. Which they've probably gone, Jesus is the only one we've seen operate like this. 
Well, they, you know, they, they, they still didn't get it, you know, because we know in Acts 1, they're saying, will you at this time establish your kingdom? Yeah. They're thinking a yeah. political kingdom. Yeah. And he's still wanting to slap them going, well, just go get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Nobody's going to help you get this until he lives inside of you. This is this is too much for your pea brain. Just don't go anywhere till you get the Holy Ghost. And then remember everything I told you. So they do a backtrack, and then the Holy Spirit re-explains everything he says. And yeah. then because he's in them, they understand it. But, you know, they're still tracking on a natural. And notice what he's saying. Look, he says, in verse 25, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Yeah. So here's what I came to. This is what the Lord spoke to me out of this. Unless the Holy Spirit gives a person a revelation, the only thing they can reproduce is what they've seen. So your model, like my model of leadership was was like my dad, which was, buddy, if you if my dad said jump, you said how high. Yeah. And if you didn't respond, he's going to knock you in the next week. So it was somewhat overbearing and abusive. But, buddy, he was in charge. There was no doubt who was the alpha male in our house. Yeah. And some people would go, yeah, he's the leader. No, not so much. He's a tyrant, not much of a leader. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. Mm. So a great leader is not thinking about how loyal you are to me. A great leader is thinking about how can I get you connected to God so that you stand on your own two feet. Yep. There you go. Man, that's so countercultural to the whole world. It's opposite. Like we Everybody. we adore people who are not servant leaders, you know. Well, when I when I get into or when I get around any culture <clears throat> and I hear too much, uh, you know, you got to hear it some. I started hearing the words submit, 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 authority, authority, authority. Uh I'm the leader, I'm the leader, I'm the leader. Right. And I hear it over and over too much. Now you have to address it, but you have to address it with Attaching the meaning to the word that God had his in his mind when he uses that word. Hmm. Submission doesn't mean I don't have my own mind. It doesn't mean I can't have my own opinion. Submission doesn't mean I can't bring something to the table that's different from you. Submission doesn't mean I have to agree with you exactly the way you think about everything. Right. If that's your idea of submission, we're just a big pile of robots. Yeah. Submission yeah. means even though I have a different idea, I defer to you because I recognize you are a spiritual authority over me. Right. And unless you're asking me to do sin, I probably need to, need to kick in with a willing heart and a, and a good attitude and do what you're asking me to do. Mm-hmm. Even if mentally I don't agree with it, I'm gonna I'm gonna hook in with it and do it anyway. Yeah, with a pleasant attitude, and not feel like I'm being a slave. I'm gonna do it to serve. So there's all these there's both sides of it. How are you in authority? 
and how do you submit? Let me ask you a different question. We were talking about compassion and how, and you just read the scripture, how Jesus looked at them, had compassion upon them. Mm -hmm. But right now, we are seeing pastors all over America facing burnout. We're seeing people having to take time off. Uh, There was a recent study, Barna study, it said 40% of pastors in the United States would take another job if it opened. It was just like, and then 1,200 churches a a month, 1,200 to 1,500 churches a month, a month, closing their doors. Some of that might be due to to calling, but emotionally, I talk to people that are just done. There's a fly in here, oh my gosh. (laughs) How have you been able to stay like emotionally fit, joy in your life, peace in your heart, yeah. at rest. Yeah. Uh, how have you been able to do that over the 41 years you've been in ministry? Well, early early on, I discovered this. I uh, The Lord led me to this, and I teach on it extensively everywhere. Maybe it'll be a book one day, I don't know. But the Lord showed me that there's primarily two anointings that people live, that people have. Mm-hmm. Now, these anointings can... They can split. They can they can express themselves in a thousand different ways. I've seen nurses in hospitals that were anointed to care for the sick, mm-hmm. and I've seen nurses that were not. Yeah. So yeah. the anointing can no man- bedside manner. Yeah. No bedside manner. The anointing can manifest <clears throat> itself in many different ways. But here here it goes. There's an anointing upon you. Jesus said, "Look forward. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me." Because he's anointing me to heal. He's anointing me to preach. He's anointing me to do all these things. Stop and think about it. None of those things listed there were for him. Yeah. They were all for other people. The poor, the blind. The poor, everything. Those captives. Now, 1 John 2 says, you have an anointing that abides in you. It teaches you all things. That means the anointing within you will literally teach you everything you have to know about life. And then it says, it will teach you to abide in him. Upon you to minister to others and in you to live life. You live life by the anointing within you. You know, David said it like this, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. What the Lord showed me was everything outside the cup is for people. Everything inside the cup is for you. Mm. Now, what happens to these ministers, and this this is the biggest problem this is one of the biggest problems. You see yourself as a minister. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Your identity is in your ministry label. I'm a pastor. I'm an evangelist. I'm a prophet. That's your calling. And yes, we can call you that. But technically, that's not what you are. You're always a son first. <laughs> Write that down if you're always a daughter first. He didn't get a preacher in the garden. He put a son in there. He didn't have a church in the garden. He had a family. Mm. So he starts with a son first and a family second. Yep. Okay. It's so good. So here's the deal. Ministers lose their ability to relate to God. I'm talking about men now. They, they lose their ability to relate to God as a son and him as a father. Now, we say this all the time. Jesus died for my sin. He died for my sins. 
that is an accurate theological statement, but it's also an incomplete statement. <laughs> he died for your sin in order to get rid of your sin so could he, so he could have relationship. Have relationship with you. Okay. That's right. What's the whole point of relationship? The whole point of relationship is fellowship. Now, mm. I didn't know that, that, that this teaching that I've been doing is going to be so revolutionary. <laughs> but it's turning out to be yeah. quite revolutionary mm-hmm. that the whole point of redemption is for you to have fellowship with God. <laughs> we have no other comment about Genesis 1. We have no other comment. There's no theolo- theological statement made about why God came down and walked with Adam and Eve in the garden other than he wanted to be with them. Right. Yes. We have no record of the discourse. I don't know that, you know, he was doing a theological lesson. <laughs> There's no information given. He just wanted to walk with them. He just wanted to walk with them. I'm coming down. I'm going to walk with you in the I'm cold walk day. walk with you. Yeah. And see, we, 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 we get stars in our eyes. You know, we go, to, we go to pray and we want to see angels and, and visions and dreams and visions and, and, and words and and I, I got to preach. I got to go minister. I need something from you, God. I need something from you. And it's all about, watch, watch this. This is how you get into trouble. Okay. It's all about. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how you end up preaching great and sleeping with prostitutes. Yep. You got a great anointing on you. You're flowing in the great anointing on you, but you're drying up inside. Your cup's not full. That's right. So now you're having to pull ministry out from the inside of the cup. Oh, that's draining. That's where you get emotional burnout. Ministry is not a joy anymore. It's a it's a drudgery. It's a I got to work this thing up. I got to whip this thing into motion. God, instead of it's out of that overflow that we're. Yep. I'm missing this. Yep. They're missing that. Because when you get that in your presence, it's fullness of joy. That's right. Yep. So I learned. I, 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 I say I learned. Look, all this stuff didn't come to me overnight. Some of these words, I, I, I got it and then I blew it. I got it and I blew it. I don't want to make everybody think that I just arrived at this stuff. I didn't. I struggled. I fought. I failed. <laughs> I busted my nose. I embarrassed myself. And I got back and went back to the table of yeah. what he said to me. So I want people to know that's what happened. So it's not, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't want people to think I just got all this overnight. Yeah. It was a lot of struggle and a lot of pain and a lot of failure on my part. And I didn't do it right. But eventually, I got it right. I learned how to fail forward. You can fail forward or you can fail backward. If you fall forward. Pick it up. Go, I learned forward, it. I learned what I was supposed to learn. Now I'm going forward. If you don't learn what you... In the kingdom of God, you don't get to advance if you don't pass the test. When you work on the cup in you, what does that mean? Does it mean that... If you saw me, you would think, this is embarrassing, this guy. What is he doing? I can sit at a table with my Bible open and a notepad for up to an hour and a half and not make a sound and not make a move. (laughs) 
That's how serious I am about fellowship with God. I'm here. I might worship him. I might pray a little bit. I might sing a little bit. I might put a, a good worship song on my phone and listen to it. But the majority of, you know, when you're sitting in the sun, you could take a mirror and you can't sit there and look at yourself in the mirror and go, hey, I see you changing. <laughs> yeah. You're getting darker. Boy, this sun, you're getting some vitamin D. <laughs> You yeah. can't even see it happening. The problem with people is when you talk about fellowship and with God, they're thinking about voices and revelation and, and dreams and visions and, and just, you know, a- angels and exciting. Stop. Mm. One of my professors that, I, that taught Bible study, he, he said this about a year ago. It was one of these life-changing things for me. It goes along with what you're saying. He said, a, a lot of preachers are, are preaching sermons that are biscuits out of a can and not homemade biscuits from scratch. That's right. Because they can find anything they need out there there's a prepackaged. Million, there's, you know. there's a million people that can preach better than me. Yeah. Anybody can get on it. Look, that's not it. Here's the thing that people don't realize about the anointing upon you. You can ride off of it for a while. Yeah. Okay. Case in point, Samson. Yeah. Samson's sleeping with prostitutes, and he's bringing the gates down. He's taking off with the gates of the city. Yeah. What happens to Samson? He gets deceived in his mind. He starts thinking, I can flip that switch, and didn't know God owns the switch. Who do you (laughs) think you are? You didn't even get the switch. The the reason you got the switch is because he gave it to you. Yeah. All of this power is his, and you don't own the switch. <laughs> but when you flow in it, flow in it, flow in it, and then you're compromising in your life, you're compromising in your morals, and you still see the anointing operating upon you, you that's where Satan deceives ministers in their minds. Yeah. Hey, I'm living in this secret sin, but the anointing's still on me. God must be cool with it. Yeah. You're crazy. <laughs> that's right. God made a donkey speak with a man's voice. <laughs> Come on now. You're you going to get all lifted up thinking you're all that when God can speak to a donkey with a man. Not even the donkey's voice. He spoke through a donkey with a man's voice. And you're going to get all up in it like you're you the God's flavor of the month or yeah. whatever. I don't know. You're crazy. Yep. So I've, that's what I've that's my That's been my ace in the hole. My whole ministry is is my secret life with God. Yeah, the Bible says God. Uh, Jesus told in Matthew six, the Father who is in the secret place will see you and reward you openly. Mm. Where's the Father? He's in the secret place. A lot of people today, all their spirituality is in front of other people. <laughs> That's true. They're not spiritual at home. Yeah. They're not spiritual when they're that's, that's why you get pastors' kids rebelling. Right. They see a different version of daddy at the house than they see at the church. Yeah. Well, in my early twenties, I decided I ain't gonna do that. I'm gonna be who I am everywhere I am. Everywhere. At. And I can attest that's been true. Well You've been the same. You know, it's been with a lot of help. You know, yeah. one time my wife pulled me aside and said, You have no business speaking with more kindness to somebody outside of this house than you do the people in this house. Mm. And I said, you know, you're right. 
Yeah. Uh, if I'm gonna speak with, I'm gonna be Mr. Kind and Mr. I love you. It better be at the house. Yep. With my kids and my wife. So, I keep that. I keep that spiritual uh, cup filled through fellowship. And sometimes it's like, you know, just like this week, man. You're milking me like a goat. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 that's what. That's what I do. Uh, pastor sheep. I milk goats and yeah, I yeah. shoot wolves. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I, I. Okay. So he's he's draining me, right? Which means. Uh, and you have to learn to be honest with yourself when you're when you're feeling like your life is outrunning your prayer life. Wow, that is good. See, my life, life is, is outrunning my, my prayer, prayer life. life. And my soul needs to catch up with my body. We can't be bigger than that life, than that prayer life. No, you can't. And here's the good thing. The cool thing is if you can be behind in prayer, why can't you be ahead? <laughs> That's right. That's what Deb and I experienced in 2022. We've been praying for two years about a decision. When we, when we made that decision, that two years of prayer kicked in, and we've been walking in th- through those doors this whole year, and it has been phenomenal. I, I want to key in on this because we talked about this at my house over dinner, and you said at this point in your life, uh, the timing is more important than just the calling and God put something in your heart, but then you prayed two years about this. Yeah. Well, I want you to speak, especially you young guys that are watching this, how important the timing of walking through a door is. Well, it's everything. You know, the cool thing about being young is the will of God's like a funnel, which means it's very broad at the top. Yeah. And don't be surprised if he lets you do a lot of stuff. Yeah. He gives you a lot of leeway. And you got room to make mistakes. You got room to make mistakes. You got room to try out stuff. Don't get all weird. Just get moving. Yeah. He can't steer a parked car. Right. So don't worry. Am I, am I in my exact spot? Don't worry about your exact spot. Just start serving. Just get full of God start Amen. serving. Yeah. Now, when you get my age, you down in the funnel. <laughs> this thing got narrow. This thing has gotten narrow. I cannot afford at my age to, to I can't, to miss it. Yep. Now, God tells Moses, Moses, I'm going to use you as a deliverer. What does he do? He doesn't He doesn't wait to find out how. He just found out the what. Yeah. And what did he do? He jumped out ahead of God and killed an Egyptian. Next thing you know, God's got you on the backside of a desert for 40 years to think about what you did. <laughs> I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. You just jumped ahead of God. Yeah. A- Abram gets a word, you're going to have a son. He gets impatient, sleeps with Hagar, and we got Ishmael, and we're still dealing with Ishmael. Yep. Because yep. you jumped ahead of God. <laughs> it's tougher when you jump ahead. It's easier for God to speed you up in his will than it is him than it is for him to fix your mess after you jumped ahead of it. Because you might have to wait on something to be in the right timing for three or four years. Absolutely, because your life is not just yours. Now, yeah. All this thing that he's called you to, other people have to be in their place. They have to be lined up. They've got to get in position because it ain't all about you. It's never all about you. Gosh, It doesn't matter what it is. It's never all about you. Wow. It's always about somebody bigger, what he's doing with Abraham. He's, he's talking about the whole world. In you shall all the nations of the world be blessed. Mm. You know? He's talking to David. He's talking about the whole kingdom of Israel. 
He's talking to Esther. It's not just about Esther. It's about the whole Jewish yes. nation. Yes. He's not just talking about Joseph and, oh, God, you got thrown in a ditch, and now you're in Potiphar's house, and now you're in jail. And it's all about you. No, it's not. It's about saving the whole nation from famine. Mm. So, But if you constantly keep the small picture of your life, you're going to get impatient. Yeah. God, when are you going to, you gave me this promise. When are you going to do it? Other things are in play. And the consequences of jumping the gun are longer than waiting. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. Everybody would say, I want, you know, I want to walk in the power of God. Oh, really? Do you really? <laughs> do you know that the higher you go, the more responsibility you have? That's the truth. And the higher you go, the bigger the penalty for you blowing it. Yep. Moses gets mad at people and strikes the rock. And God says, hey, bud, you just forfeited your own entrance. Yep. Oh, he's a great man. Is it, isn't he great? Out of the Old Testament, who was used mightier than Moses in miracles, signs, and wonders? Nobody. Yet God's dealing with him as a son. You messed up. Yep. And you abused your authority. And you abuse the people in the way you demonstrated your authority. I'm holding you responsible. So, oh, I want great power with God. Your responsibility in the in in the spirit realm never It's like the funnel. It gets your authority never, never exceeds your responsibility. Yeah. Your responsibility has to stay equal to your authority or exceed it. It can never go below it. If it goes below your level of authority, you're, in other words, you've walked in all this authority, but you're not being responsible. Mm. You've entered the danger zone. Yeah. You are your own worst enemy. Yep. Because you're not being responsible with the authority that you've been given. You're abusing it and abusing people. I love it. And you can't, listen, these ain't your, these ain't your folks. <laughs> there is. You know, they say, uh, I need you to come. The pastors call me and they say, I need you to come to my church, man. I need you to bless my people. I'm like, wow. They're not yours. I didn't know you died for them. <laughs> yeah. I know it's a technicality. I know I'm being nitpicky. But God got on me about it. Who do you think, who do you think these people are? They're not your. You didn't pay for them. Yeah. They belong to me. You're an under-shepherd. <laughs> right? you're not the shepherd yeah it's mean, like the uh, what is that publisher clearing house when the when the, the guys show up with the check <laughs> yeah they ain't the power behind the check <laughs> just delivering the check yeah that's right you're the you, you're just a delivery boy that's right you ain't the owner of the company and you ain't got the goods <laughs> he just sent you on Aaron and told you to deliver that's really i mean you it's gotta get the right perspective right. about yourself or you you start you get introverted mm -hmm. with the way you think about yourself. Yeah. And it takes a lot of, of Holy Spirit time in the presence of God to be objective about yourself. I'm just a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Now, I want to be a good drop. I'm not putting myself down. I'm an important drop. I'm, 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 I'm a child of God. I'm seated with Christ. I got the greater one in me. But in the grand scheme of things... <laughs> This thing's going to keep on going without us. <laughs> In the grand scheme, I'm a drop. 
So just make up your uh, mind. I want to be a good truck. I just want. I tell you what, I, uh, I want to be the best truck I can be. I left uh, the, our Fort Smith campus uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, it's doing so good it hurt my feelings. Yeah, yeah. You, you did the same thing with me. He took the church. He, I pastored a church, and when I left, I wanted Marcus to take it. He took it and took it higher. <laughs> I hurt my feelings so bad. Now Brandon Cotton's in Fort Smith. I went by and I was like, I'm a nobody in this place. <laughs> I wanted it to struggle a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're just, we're a drop in the bucket. Well, a, a real father, you know, there's a difference between a king and a father. Mm-hmm. A king, uh, a lot of pastors have a king anointing. They don't have a father anointing. Mm. A king does not want to be superseded yeah. by anybody. A father sees his role as his authority diminishing over time. Yeah. If I'm doing my job right, you learn to be a man standing <clears throat> on your own two feet. Yeah. So yeah. my my authority should diminish if I'm doing my job right. Right. That's a father spirit. Mm. We got time for one more. Um, after we came through the pandemic and everything going on uh, from – socially, politically, and everything. I see young guys in the in the church experiencing real criticism for the first time and not knowing, you know, how to deal with it. Some of them feel defensive, you know, some of them are like, man, I don't I just don't know how to how to handle this much criticism. Uh how would you tell a young guy out there when there's all of a sudden critics, people who are leaving the church and then speaking against things going on? How would how would you tell young guys to to handle that? Well, you know, your identity, again, you know, you go back to your identity. In him we live and move and have our being. Mm-hmm. My identity is not in my performance as a minister. Okay, stop and think about uh, in terms of how successful it looks, ask yourself this question. Was Jesus' first sermon a success? <laughs> okay, outwardly you would say no. And he almost got killed. Yeah. Right? Nobody received what he said, and they tried to kill him. Okay? In in most everybody's books, I would say that his ministerial outing was not so good. (laughs) Right? But the truth is, he was 100% successful. Yeah. So you can't wrap your self-worth up in results only. You can't do that. You know, Here's what I always did. If somebody called me a donkey, I'd dismiss it. If two people call me a donkey, I pray about it. If three people call me a donkey, I need a saddle. <laughs> so yeah. the first thing I would say about all criticism is take it to the uh, prayer closet and make sure it's not true. Yeah. Sometimes when people take a pop shot at you, there might be an element of truth in there. You see, you don't grow. Let's say we're in a relationship mm-hmm. and you and I get fouled up. Let's just pretend, this is a joke, but let's just pretend that it's 96% your fault. Okay, I don't mature as a human being until I own my 4%. That's true. That's great. I don't become a mature minister or a mature anything until I own my 4%. So anytime... Someone criticizes you, don't react. Respond. Respond is different from react. I did a whole study on this one time. It's great. 
They call them first responders, not first reactors. Because mm. in trauma, we don't need a reactor. Oh, gosh. When there's trauma. That'd be me. I freak out when trauma happens. Right. When there's a trauma, we don't need a reactor. They don't call them first reactors. They call them first responders. Why? They have a deliberate method of how they're going to handle this trauma. That is really, really good. In ministry, you're going to have trauma. You're going to have people leave you, betray you. Yep. It's not a question of, of if. It's going to happen. It's a question of when. Mm-hmm. Now, is, if your identity is wrapped up in results and, and the approval of other people, uh, you're in store for a bumpy ride. Yeah. But my peace is not in anybody else's head. I don't keep my peace in your head. Yeah. I keep my peace in Jesus. Yeah. And it never moves. He and I are at peace. And that's really the ace in the hole. Do you know that you and God are good? Have you owned your 4% of this thing? Yeah. Very important. Because if you own it and repent of it, then God's got your back. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up in judgment against you will be condemned. At, so let me put a little add on there. That's if you keep behaving right. You get in the flesh and start fighting people, you've entered the devil's territory. You can't enter the arena, arena of the fret, flesh and strife. You're going to get your head knocked off. <laughs> this makes me think of David when he's dying. And he's on his deathbed, and he calls Solomon in. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's you know what? It's people, like a Godfather scene. Know these people. <laughs> this is his last thing he says before he dies. He's like, yeah. "There's three people I'd like you to kill." Yeah. You know what to do. Who has the occasion? To I identify more with David than yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, David did did, and one of those guys he said kill was the guy that threw rocks at him and cursed him. And he handled that perfectly. He handled it perfectly. Yeah, but he didn't forget it. <laughs> you know? The thing is, in in ministry in the New Covenant, we don't take vengeance on people. Right. And this is what I learned. Uh, used to when people leave the church and criticize, I would in a roundabout way let everybody know how they left under bad uh, intentions and what they're saying is false and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's not the example of Jesus. Yeah. First Peter talks about the example that he left us. When he was threatened, he did not answer. Yeah. So there's a part of that <clears throat> where you've got to trust that God's got your back over stuff. Mm-hmm. If you be a person of walk in love, Listen, I chased people all over Magnolia to get my last hug. Found out they got mad at me over something. Yeah. I'd see them in Walmart. I'd chase them down every aisle. They'd run in front of me because they didn't want to meet me. Yeah. I'd go up and put my arm around them and said, look, I know you're going to another church. First of all, please forgive me if I hurt you in any way. Yeah. Now, that's... these people might be in it. Be, they might be being a. I know. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They might be the problem. That's Okay. It's all right. The Bible says it's the glory of a man to overlook a fault. Yeah, that's right. So I put my arm around them, and I leave them sweet. First of all, I'll say, if there's anything I've done, you know I'm not perfect. I never meant to hurt you. Please forgive me. And listen, if you get out there and you feel like you've made a mistake, you need to know the bridge is still there. You can always come back. You can always come back. I welcome you, and thank you for what you've meant to me. Yeah. 
okay, isn't that better? Yeah, it is. You it's know? clean. Yeah, because my heart, the Bible says, as much as lies within you, be at peace. Right. I can't control what you do. Right. But I can control me, what, what's in my heart with me and Jesus. Mm-hmm. So when I got that, I'm like, okay, I wasn't ugly. I'm not being vindictive. You know how you know you're mature? One of the ways you know that you're, you're at least that you're maturing is by the time God vindicates you, you don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. glad that finally came out, but okay. That's so good. No big deal. Pray for us. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for people that care about the subject of leadership. And it's such a big subject and it's so vast. And yes. we've been so conditioned by this world that we think we know what you mean when you say leader. Do a work in us, mm. Lord, to help us redefine these meanings and let our definition be your definition. Yes. How can two walk together except they agree? Help me to get my mind in agreement with your word. Yes. That's the heart of all of it. It starts with your word. So, Holy Spirit, you are the greatest teacher in the world, mm. and you know what Jesus meant. When he used the words he he said, you were there helping him. Help us. Yes. We need to know what he knows. We need to walk like he walked. Yes. And we need to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for helping us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We are so thankful you tuned in for today's episode. That's right. I felt like I nailed it. <laughs> hopefully, you really, hopefully you really learned something um, that's going to help you and we just want to say thank you for being here with us and we can't wait to share another chapter with you next time don't forget to like and subscribe to follow what's going on on this journey and share it with people that you know that need it and also know that this is just a supplement this is not your relationship with Christ get involved in your local church find some people that can surround you because uh, you need to be in a local church in the season you're in right now. That's right. Until next time.